Hey everyone, welcome to Creation Speaks. Glad that you could join in today. Really, this podcast is just a time for me to really share some reflections of what I've written down in my journal um, from the scriptures, things that kind of have stood out to me in gleaning these things and, and you know, like a, a farmer going to glean some fruit. I hope to be able to share some of that fruit that I've picked and maybe find that you might find some encouragement or inspire you if you're not already to go in and dig into the scriptures yourselves to see what God might have for you. So I have been going kind of the past couple of days kind of camped out on a couple of verses in the book of James. Um, James was one of Jesus's brothers. Um, just a little side note there. And it's interesting in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, this, his brothers didn't really believe. So, but that changed later down the road. Anyway, James writes in chapter one, verse 17, is, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I love that verse, and you've probably seen that verse. It's a it's a quoted verse that you know you may see on some pretty picture of uh, a sunset, sunrise, or a beach scene, a mountain scene, and you know we quote it. But it's important to kind of dig into the context of where that verse is positioned. It is a feel-good verse, but then when you read what surrounds it, you're like, oh, hmm, this is um, a little more challenging. Well, James starts off talking about trials, and he says, my brethren, and this is in James chapter 1, so you can go and dig in and, and read it all, because there's a lot of good information here, a lot of challenging information. But he says, my brother, brethren, Counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, that that's a that's a difficult thing there, and and I don't know many of us. We we want you know the sunny day, you know, beautiful sunny day, things to be going well. We don't want conflict. Yet James is talking here about trials that come into our lives, and he says, "Count it all joy." Why would I want to count it all joy? when when I'm dealing with so many various trials and you know just to kind of highlight something the whole world experiences trials and difficulties at some point in their lives more often than not you know if you're in any kind of relationship if you're employed or not employed and in wherever you you are in life there's going to be difficulties. There's no way about it. But from a Christian point of view, from the biblical point of view, we're told to count it joy. And he says, because the no, knowing that the testing of your faith, now as believers, we believe. Now, it, we don't believe that everything is going to um, be all great and wonderful in this life. No, we're we're going to have difficulties. But those difficulties can be used to produce um, 
as, as instruments to test our faith. It says, the knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Now, that word patience, that's a, a, a difficult word there because that's a, a hard one to kind of deal with as well. Well, I, you know, but patience is a good thing. And, and think of it this way. A farmer goes out to sow seeds. Now, there's preparation of the soil. You know, he, if you want an abundant crop, if you want to partake in the, uh, the sweetness of a fruit or the produce of vegetables, there's a whole process. The farmer doesn't just wake up one day and say, I'm ready to harvest. No, he's got to prepare the soils. He's got to plant the seeds. He's got to, um, well... The, the rains or or we can water the seeds whatever um but you know with the proper care the the seeds are going to come forth and they'll start growing and growing and growing um and then one day then comes the harvest so knowing that you know there's better things to come as as believers we know that god is at work in us and and the difficulties that are coming in it can be used to produce patience. But he says, let patience have its perfect work. And what is that perfect work? That we would be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, then you're like, okay, well, I find myself in this difficult situation. And I don't really know what to do. And that's where prayer comes in, because we don't have answers. But James tells us, if you lack wisdom, to ask God. He says in verse 5 in chapter 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God gives. And Jesus, when you, you know, if you, you look at the life of Jesus, you read the Sermon on the Mount, you will quickly see that Jesus keeps pointing to the Father. He wants us to trust the Father. Because Jesus calls us to some pretty difficult things, going the extra mile, um, you know, giving of yourself. Um, not seeking after the things of the world, you know, not fretting over um, what you're going to eat and drink, you know, not scheming your way through life, but recognize that the Father is going to take care of you. Do you realize that? What you have today is from, from the Lord. Do you have riches? It's from the Lord. If you have nothing, God is your provider. You know, wherever you're at, it is God who's providing. And, you know, the, the a good illustration, the rich, there was a rich young ruler, a really wealthy young man, a moral man, a good man, who came to Jesus and knew that he was lacking something. And, well, Jesus asked him to give all his stuff to the poor and come follow Jesus. Now, he went away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. Now, that whole story 
basically he failed to recognize one where his wealth comes from and two failed to recognize that God would take care of him going forward. Do you know that God will take care of you? God gives liberally. The Father, Jesus tells us that the Father causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. He feeds the just and the unjust. He gives liberally. But do you recognize, are you going through life missing the reality of the provision of God in your life? Now, um, I want to look at a couple of verses that kind of reflect on that a little bit. It's in the Psalms, in Psalm 36, this uh, portion of Psalm 36. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Do you know the loving kindness of God? Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see life. Do you recognize that it is God who is your provider? Psalm 139, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great the sum of them. And so, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Do you find yourself in difficulties and trials? Know that God gives wisdom. Now, there's a lot more in James, but I'm skipping a few verses. And then right before the verse, every good and perfect gift. So we've talked about trials. Now he kind of moves into temptation. And again, he uses a positive word in light of it, a negative. So the first one, of course, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Okay, well, joy and trials are not words that we would necessarily associate with one another. Now we're going to move into the realm of temptation. And, and, and James tells us, blessed is the man who endures temptation. So again, blessed, you know, we go about saying, oh, I'm so blessed. Or that's a blessing. But here he's talking about blessed in light of temptation, of overcoming temptation, not subduing to it. Now, being tempted is not sin. It says that Jesus was tempted in all ways, yet without sin, and is able to came, come to the aid of those who are tempted. So here, blessed, we can also mention that we're, oh, how happy is the man, oh, how happy is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So now we have the blessed man who endures temptation. Now, he talks about a crown of life. Now, the wages of sin, we read in Romans, is death. We know in the very beginning of time, or, well, in the beginning of creation, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that was sin and death entered the world. 
So life never comes from sin and heeding sin, falling under its control. Life comes from walking away, enduring the temptation. Now as believers, God will can make a way of escape that you can endure it. And there's a crown of life. When you endure temptation, you're a blessed man. There's life. Now, James goes on to say, if you're tempted, don't say that it's God who's tempting you. God does not tempt anyone, he says, and he cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So God's not the one who's tempting you. But each of us, there's no ex exceptions here. We are all in this world, and each of us will deal with temptation, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. And when, enti when enticed, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when and sin, when it's full grown, full grown, brings forth death. So, sin brings forth death. There, there's, you know, and you will get into the conversation with people, and they say, "Well, I'm going to live the life that I want to, and I don't think we should put rules and regulations on on people." No, 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 no. Um, you know. Uh, you know, free love kind of thing. However, there's no way around it. Sin leads to death. It, it never leads to life. Now, sin may be pleasurable for a season. And I think about when, before I knew Christ, you know, we just kind of did what felt, what, what was pleasurable, what we thought was right. We thought we were finding life and you know, experimenting with this and that. But that never brings forth life. You know, I can remember probably 17, 18, 19, I don't know. You know, I remember looking into the mirror. Now, we were living lives that were not honoring, experimenting with drugs and, you know, going out and getting super drunk and, you know, popping pills, whatever it might be, we thought, you know, we're experiencing life and on to some, you know, there was a spiritual aspect to it that we thought we were on to something. But I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, man, what am I doing to myself? There was that disappointment and that time when you're alone and you question there's something not right with this if you begin to awaken to that something about the way you're living your life it just doesn't sit right well that lifestyle will lead to death but god makes a way of escape and that's when he goes into every good gift and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. Now, in the book of John, it says that Jesus was from the bosom of the Father. He came to reveal the very heart of God. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his only begotten Son to rescue us. It was like an assault on sin and death and the devil. He came into this world 
to give us life. He laid down his life. It says that Jesus laid down his life. He submitted his life. He went to the cross. He willingly laid down his life. He willingly went to the cross. Why? And even at the very end, before the cross, Jesus said, if there's any other way, Father, but not my will, but yours be done. There is freedom in that. Jesus laid down his life. He submitted himself to the will of the Father that through death, through giving his life for us, we could have and experience life, abundant life. It says in Hebrews, who for the joy, speaking of Jesus, sat before him, endured the cross. What was the joy? was the relationship, the reconciled relationship of man to God. Because it was severed. But now we can have a relationship that if you, the scripture says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has from the, risen him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe that Christ died for your sins and rose again, that you might have life? Abundant life. Jesus speaks of abundant life. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So, the scripture is all about life. God is about life. And I wanted to, I've been reading a book um, by George MacDonald. And there was something that was really interesting in there that I wanted to share. And before I read it, I want to just kind of, give context to something. So first of all, George MacDonald was talking about prayer and that we can bring our request to God. What what care do you have? What difficulty? What delight? Whatever it is, bring bring those things to God. God is God is the very source of life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He Speaking of Jesus, and the Word became flesh. Jesus was born into this world. And the world, you can read this in the first chapter of John. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He And the Word it speaks about how Jesus was the life and the light of man. God is life, a life giver, the, the, the very source of life. And so God, when he created the worlds, he instituted a creation, we'll call it a creational law. So, for example, um, the earth on its circuit around the sun, it's consistent. You know, we can, we set our, our clocks, we set our, um, see, I mean, there, there is consistency. There's a law. It doesn't change. You know, it's not like, oh man, we got to fix our, the, the earth has decided to do something different. We need to fix our clocks. No, the calendars, we can, we can set our calendars. We can set our clocks. We can, because of this circuit around the sun, it's set. It doesn't change. The earth is obedient to this law, like the law of gravity. You know, there's certain laws that are in place that, Creation doesn't deviate from that. If you take a seed, if you take an, a seed from an orange tree and plant it, you're going to get an orange tree. Um, 
creation, you know, animals and life produce after its own kind. So there's certain creational laws, certain things that are put in place that don't deviate from that. And so I'm kind of setting the groundwork for this quote that I'm about to read. So these things are in place. Now, humanity, humans are really the only ones that, you know, say have been given this choice. And it's like, we no, I want to do my own thing. I want to do what makes me feel good. I'm, I'm choosing my own adventure. And, you know, choosing our own adventure is not always a good thing. Okay, so now for the quote. I'm going to read through it, and I'll probably pick little pieces out of it. It says, See the freedom of God in his sunsets, never a second like one of the foregone, in his moon and skies, in the ever-changing solid earth, all moving by no dead law, but in harmony of the vital law of liberty, God's creative perfection, all ordered from within, a divine perfection that were indeed where there was no liberty. It's very interesting. We'll think and ponder that for a little bit. So, let me kind of, because it's it's wordy, and it's let me kind of pull some chunks from it. So, think of the Earth rotating the sun. Now we know that the sun doesn't rise and set. We call it the sunrise and sunset. Really, it's the Earth revolving around the sun. Okay. However, it's a set track. It's obedient. It's following the law that God orchestrated. It, it's not changing. It doesn't say, you know what, the earth, you know, if the earth decided to say, you know what, I'm tired of doing the same thing year after year. I'm going on an adventure. I'm going to go explore the galaxies, find a new sun, find a new way. Well, Earth would quickly fade away and die. It would become, you know, moving away from the sun, life would soon become non-existent. Or moving too close to the sun, again, life would become non-existent. So it's set on its perfect track. And time after time, but nobody ever complains. But day after day is in awe of the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. Wow. The beauty of grace, of life. God is, you know, if God puts something into place, a law, it's not drudgery, but it's for the producing of life. The moon, the skies, the ever-changing ever solid earth. The earth is set. It doesn't decide to morph into something else, but yet it's ever-changing. The life that continues to come forth because God has established this creational law. And no man ever complains about these laws. They're like, yes, it's good, and I hope it continues that way, and it will. No man's like, man, because you can take a seed, and you can plant it. And it'll grow and give life. And so no man's complaining about that. No man's complaining about, you know, the sunrise or the sunset. It's beautiful. So it's 
I like what he says. It's all, it's no dead law, but in harmony with the vital law of liberty. The vital law of liberty, that's beautiful. In the law that God's established, and this is a Christian law, this is not, um, you know, the Ten Commandments, or, but and the, the creational law that was put in place, you know, it's called the law of liberty. God's creative perfection. Where it would seem there's no liberty, the earth has no choice but to do what it was told to do, or uh, seeds to produce after their own kind, or the sun to, to rise and set, you know, the seasons, the, the air that we breathe, the, the trees that grow, that produce, take in the carbon and release oxygen. You know, nobody's complaining about those. It's, and there's liberty in that. Oh, the wonder and the beauty of God. Now, there's a, another, so James chapter 1, verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, I do want to say that salvation does not come by just one day saying, I'm going to do some good things. No, we have to recognize that the wages of sin is death. If we're born into this world, we need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. And that's what Christ has done for us. But then you look at the, you know, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it's like the perfect, and Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of the law. He fulfilled the law. We are justified by faith in Christ. Not by the works of the law. We are justified by faith. And you can read that in the scripture. Um, the wages of sin get, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So God, the giver, always giving, giving life, giving his son, giving. Jesus said that the father causes the rain on the just and the unjust. He's always giving, giving life. He establishes laws, his ways to produce and give life. And so the perfect law of liberty. Sin never leads to liberty. When, when I was young and following my own ways, that didn't produce life. Oh, I, I may have thought I was onto something, but it never produced real life. It was sorrowful. I can remember looking into the mirror thinking, what am I doing? I can remember sitting and talking to a friend and saying, you know, it's not worth going out at night unless you can get drunk. Now, there's something very wrong with that, and God has changed that. Um, there's death in that, but Christ gives life. And I'm thankful for what he's done. And I, and I hope by sharing this, the, the perfect law of liberty, Christ is the perfect law of liberty. He came to give life, abundant life. 
Jesus said, whoever comes to him, he will not cast out. So wherever you are today, maybe you think life's unfair, but no, God has a perfect plan. There are those who would say, I'm going to do what I will. But there's also those that would lay down their lives and say, Jesus, I want to come follow you. I don't understand everything that's going on in the world or with me or these problems. But it's a call to trust in a God who's perfect, who loves you, laying down your life. Jesus says, whoever wants to come and follow him, let him take up his cross and follow him. He has, he has a plan, and, and there's life in that. We think, well, I don't know, I, I want to live my own life. I want to do this and do that. And, but Jesus says, well, God's going to take care of you. You can lay down all those pursuits. That doesn't mean that we don't go out and do things, but it means that you're laying down your own agenda, your own way, your own pursuits, and saying, you know what, I, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to see where you, I want to follow you. Because I think that you, like Peter said, you alone. And that some people decided, you know, I'm not going to follow. And they went away. And, you know, well, Peter says, well, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And we're going to keep on keeping on. Well, I hope. That encourages you. I mean, there's some heavy stuff there, but remember, there's so much life. The perfect law of liberty. I hope you dig into the word. If you don't know the Lord, you know, he's He's there. He's, his hand is not short that he cannot save. It says that he can save to the uttermost those who come to him. No matter where you've been, what you've done, where you are, Jesus can save to the uttermost. Put your trust in him. He is good. Well, thank you again for tuning in to this episode on Creation Speaks podcast. If you want more podcasts and devotions, head on over to our website, creationspeaks.com. And there I, I do a lot of writing, I post audio and video, and then I also do some of um, my woodworking. So a great way to support this is I do handmade wooden pens, coffee scoops, and other items. And, uh, you know, just I enjoy um, making things, sharing, and I hope through it all that you might find in some, some encouragement and know that you're created in the image of God. As a believer, you've been redeemed and God started a work in you. And I hope together we can grow together. Again, thanks again and talk to you next time.